Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. Hello, welcome to the Heal Thy Skin podcast. I'm Marnie, your host, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Kira Barr, board certified dermatologist. We are covering menopause, perimenopause and all the changes to the skin. Dr. Kira Barr believes that going through menopause shouldn't mean you have to push pause on feeling comfortable and confident in your skin. She's a global speaker, best-selling author, and she's founded the Resilient Health Institute and created the Skinny Dipping Method to help midlife women strip away the fatigue, stress, and shame surrounding menopause to uncover the secrets to making midlife the best time of their life. Dr. Barr wrote the book, The Skin Whisperer, and she blends her medical expertise with cognitive science and her own health journey, creating a framework to support readers on a journey towards self-discovery, self-love, and creating resilient health. Her expertise has been featured on national TV, radio podcasts in the US, as well as popular outlets including Mind Body Green, Insider, Reader's Digest, Glamour, Self, and Oprah Magazine. I started by asking Dr. Barr what she thought was the biggest misconception about hormones, the skin, and menopause. I think the biggest misconception may be that the hormones are not related to the skin. And what's so fascinating is so much of the machinery that creates the hormones, you know, we always think of the brain, you know, hormones being generated from the top down, but many of the same receptors and the ability to generate those hormones are found in the skin. So hormones and skin are very closely related. Mm, I'm looking forward to getting into this a little bit deeper today, but firstly, tell us about your career. Yeah. (laughs) Where do I start? (laughs) I feel like it's been You know, by training, I am a dual board certified dermatologist, dermatologist and a dermatopathologist, which means that I have studied skin on the surface as well as what's beneath it on the cellular level. I'm I'm the one who was behind the microscope when you had something cut off. I'd be the one making the diagnosis. About eight years ago, my own health kind of took a nosedive. Having been a skin cancer and melanoma specialist, I had to diagnose myself with melanoma which is not what a dermatologist wants to do. (laughs) And that kind of was the tip of the iceberg where a whole host of health issues came up. And I realized that everything I thought I was doing right, I was not in fact doing right at all. And it made me take a look at how I was living my diet and my lifestyle. And it led me down a path towards integrative and more holistic approach to wellness which is how I wound up with the focus of my career now, which is really helping women in midlife 
you know, regain their sanity <laughs> by replenishing their hormones and rejuvenating their skin. So a very different approach from what I was originally trained, but it's because basically, you know, we have to, I had to pay it forward, you know, having had my own health issues and being able to kind of course correct. And now I'm able to help other women do the same. How interesting. I mean, I've heard similar stories time and time again, where it's been someone's own health or someone very close to them that has catapulted their career in a completely different direction. I'd love to hear if you're open to sharing just how you found the melanoma. Was it yourself that spotted it or was it a loved one? No, it was me. So, you know, as a dermatologist, you know, it is so ingrained to do those self skin exams. It is so important. I always joke that, you know, once a month, you need to get in your birthday, you know, party in your birthday suit. You got to get naked and you got to check your skin head to toe, all the nooks and crannies in between, grab that hand mirror. And so I was doing my exam. And, you know, over the course of the previous decade, I had had moles that were growing and changing and just, you know, lots of biopsies. And I, and I didn't think much of it. I thought that's just how it's supposed to go in dermatology, right? But when I saw the spot on my arm, I knew that this particular spot was different. And indeed, it was. But thankfully, because I was so consistent with checking my skin, I was able to catch it early. And that is why I feel it's so important that, you know, everyone out there, you know, you know your skin better than anybody that once a month on the date of your birthday, you, you party in that birthday suit and check yourself over so that if there are any spots that are growing or changing, that you can bring to your dermatologist and have it checked out. Well done for actually, you know, taking your own advice and doing it for yourself. What a story. So tell us more about how the skin and hormones are connected. So one of the biggest ways, especially as those of us in midlife, in that perimenopausal phase, menopausal phase, estrogen is, you know, one of the major hormones we think about as women, estrogen, progesterone. We also have testosterone and thyroid hormone plays a role as well. But especially estrogen plays a significant role with the skin in terms of that youthful glow, that youthful appearance. And so estrogen is really a big contributing factor to collagen. And so as estrogen is is decreasing in midlife, that the amount of collagen that's being created or repaired decreases. And that's why you may notice more fine lines and wrinkles as we age. In addition to the, the effects that the sun has, on breaking down the collagen and the elastin, estrogen plays a large role in that as well. I see. And today we're really focusing on menopause. What determines being classified as in perimenopause? So perimenopause is that period leading up to menopause. And the definition of menopause is being without a period for a period of 12 months. 12 months after your last period, then you're thought to be officially in menopause. So the time leading up to that, where your cycles may be more irregular, you may, your set, the length of your cycle may be longer, you may skip a few cycles. And so it's a time essentially when the levels of your various hormones, your progesterone, your estrogen, even your testosterone begin to decrease. So a simple definition of about 12 months since last menstruation. And so you Mention some of these hormones, estrogen, testosterone, et cetera, but what are the hormonal changes that occur during menopause? We see a reduction, but what is the 
I guess, the ongoing effect of that? Yeah, so the ongoing effect, I had mentioned one of them, which is with regards to estrogen and collagen. So we know in menopause that about 30% of collagen decreases in the first five years of menopause and about 2% every year thereafter. And estrogen does play a role. They've done studies and it shows, especially in sun protected skin, that the addition of estrogen topically can increase the amount of collagen that is created. So as the hormones decrease, you would imagine that those, the production of collagen decreases. The other thing that hormones do is help maintain the skin barrier integrity and moisture. That's why in menopause, a lot of women will experience dryness of their skin and when they get dry, that also <laughs> a lot of women complain of itching skin and, and different rashes because the skin can become more sensitive. As it becomes dry, the skin barrier becomes more vulnerable and women and, and the skin can become more sensitive. So so dryness, irritation, increased skin sensitivity, that's another issue. And also some women may experience acne and facial hair when they didn't have it before. And that has a lot to do with as the estrogen and progesterone decreases, testosterone is the androgens are also decreasing, but not at the same rate. So there becomes a relative androgen dominance and those androgens can stimulate those oil glands, which is one of the contributing factors to acne. So yeah, so those are some of the big ones, dry, irritated skin, facial hair, loss of collagen and increased fine lines, wrinkles and jowls, and poor wound healing. So as estrogen levels fall, the skin becomes thinner and the skin may bruise more easily. So a whole host of things can happen. <laughs> really interesting. So in regards to, you mentioned that women can find that their skin is more sensitive. We know mm -hmm. that sebum is really important in our skin barrier function and making sure that our skin barrier is intact and, and healthy. If someone is say, uh, has an increase in androgen, so they notice that they have an increase in sebum or oil on their skin, are they as likely to have skin sensitivity, I guess, just from more of your personal experience as a dermatologist? Yeah, so skin in different areas can differ. So even if they're facial, what, what can happen, I should back up a little bit, women may find that they have, they're oily and dry at the same time. So a lot of times we think of hormonal acne, particularly around the chin and lower face, but they might find that their forehead, cheeks and nose may be a little bit dry. And that's as, again, as the estrogen levels drop, the skin can become more dry and sensitive and irritated. And then you have areas that are being stimulated. So some may find that they have this kind of combination and combination skin and may feel like their skin is going haywire. <laughs> and probably that's how they're feeling in, internally. As Absolutely. Well. Yes, because as hormones decrease, um, especially the progesterone, you know, a lot of women experience a lot of anxiety, depressive symptoms, and they've been, you know, good-spirited, confident, but as those hormones begin to decrease, especially the progesterone, progesterone plays a role in helping support one of the chemicals in the brain, GABA, which really allows for relaxation. So as the hormonal levels decrease, those calming chemicals also are decreasing because they're not getting that boost that they used to get from the hormones. 
And then does yes, that... it is not always in their head. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's for real. So that's nice to know for women out there that may be feeling a little haywire. So what role does this increased stress play in perhaps exasperating the hormonal changes that they're experiencing? Yes. Stress, this is, I love this question because stress is such a big topic and especially with everything happening in the world right now, it's hard not to feel stress. And I also think now with, you know, so much talk about mindfulness and and wellness and this idea of stress management, stress reduction for some of us, that can create more stress, right? (laughs) Stress is a natural part of life, but it really comes down to your perception of it. And the issue with stress and how it impacts the hormones is as the primary stress hormone cortisol goes up, what happens is that in a very simplistic way that the building block for your sex hormones, the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, they jump on to that stress pathway and they'll go down that pathway to generate more cortisol to help you deal with the real or perceived threat. And so if you're, especially if you're already in menopause where your levels are already dwindling, they may dwindle even more temporarily while you're under, you know, this acute stress reaction. So stress can in many ways do so many things. It impacts our sleep. And we know that sleep is so important for our skin repair and rejuvenation. And again, with cortisol disrupting blood sugar regulation and imbalance, and that can lead to weight gain. I mean, there's just so many things that stress can play a role in. But the biggest way for the hormones is basically those estrogen and testosterone, they'll just jump right onto that stress pathway and the levels may decrease. So when you're stressed out, if you ever wonder, like, you're just not in the mood, like your libido goes down and other things, it's because those building those hormones are taking a back seat to help deal with the stress. I see. So we have spoken about stress in a, in a previous episode and, and it's something that we'll cover with you, Kira, and in a future one, I believe. But I'd really like to talk about some of the increase in some of the conditions that we see. We've already mentioned dryness, we've mentioned acne, but we also see rosacea climb in perimenopausal women or after menopause. This is when they may not have ever experienced rosacea before and then bang, menopause happens and they experience rosacea. Why does this happen? That's a great question and it's definitely multifactorial. One of the reasons we know that individuals with rosacea do tend to have more sensitive skin. So we touched on that with decreasing hormones and as estrogen, the skin becomes more dry, can become a little bit more sensitive and more easily irritated. The other thing that we found in, and that's becoming more prominent in, in the literature is the correlation, the gut skin connection um, with rosacea. So when there is an imbalance in the gut microbiome, we have found that rosacea can become exacerbated. And so as, you know, hormones shift, women, you know, may also experience more bloating, especially as estrogen goes down. One of the symptoms of estrogen deficiency is bloating and kind of some gut discomfort. And so that can alter the microbiome as well. Again, when we're stressed, that also can alter the gut microbiome. So there's a lot of factors that come into 
interplay between the hormones, the gut, the skin, and especially with rosacea. So it's both an outside in as the skin is becoming more dry and the barrier may be somewhat impaired, and then the issues with the gut. Interesting. So we know with rosacea that for different people, there may be different triggers. So what Mm -hmm. is your advice for those that are experiencing rosacea for the first time around this time in their life? Yeah, I think, you know, number one, you have to live your life and enjoy it. That's what this is all about. And I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to stress. I think a lot of us think, oh, in order to be healthy, we have to deprive ourselves of all the good stuff. And that's not necessarily true. It's just about being more mindful about our choices. So some of the bigger triggers for rosacea are spicy foods or caffeinated beverages or alcohol. So, you know, some lifestyle choices, maybe doing an elimination of things that, or keeping a diary to know what your triggers might be, and then trying an elimination of those things for a few weeks. And then I think another one is is the stress. Is practicing stress management techniques, and, and it's something I actually teach other physicians, mind-body skills, you know, just a few deep breaths or, you know, simple things. There's guided meditations. I mean, I could go on, but a lot of these are just very simplistic lifestyle factors, you know, making sure that you're getting good sleep, you're hydrating, you're spending time with people that you love and that lift you up rather than bring you down. Those things can make a difference. And then using gentle skincare products, you know, some women with rosacea may, there's different types of rosacea. So if they're experiencing more of the acne form um, type, they may be tempted to use more astringent products or exfoliants trying to, you know, decrease the papules and pustules, but some of the products they may be using actually could cause more irritation. So, you know, using gentle products is going to be important as well. Mm, very, very common for someone who's experiencing acne to just want to exfoliate and cleanse more. Um, yeah, but it could we, cause more inflammation. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So do men experience a version of menopause? Yes, they coin it andropause. And men definitely do experience decreasing levels of hormones over time. And they're very much impacted by stress as well, you know, Stress, as I mentioned, one of the potentials as cortisol increases and there's blood sugar dysregulation, it can affect metabolism, is weight gain around that. And the interesting thing for men and for women as well, but in our adipose tissue, we can convert, test, we can, what's called aromatize, we can aromatize the testosterone to estrogen. In women, that's actually a good thing because as their ovaries are decreasing production of estrogen, our fat stores can kind of give us a boost to keep that estrogen level up a little bit. But in men, they don't want that. (laughs) They want to keep their testosterone, but that weight, that adipose tissue, they can aromatize their testosterone to estrogen. So they may not feel as energetic. Testosterone helps us with energy and our level of self-assurance and confidence and certainly libido. So yes, men can experience a version of this as well. How fascinating. Now, I would really love to hear, Kira, before you kind of started changing your practice with your melanoma experience, how did you use to traditionally treat a woman that was coming to you with perimenopausal, they may have experienced different changes in their skin versus 
how you treat now? I'd really like to hear that, like the comparison. Yeah. So in, you know, in traditional training, we were not really taught about bioidentical hormones. We were not taught about diet and lifestyle issues. We certainly were not taught about stress management. So in my traditional training, if a woman had come in, it would have been, you know, looking at her, this is what she got. You hear the prescriptions that give you and, you know, send you on your way. And so there wasn't a lot of time also because those visits were quite quick, either seven to 15 minutes in the traditional clinic. So there really was an opportunity to get to know how the menopause symptoms were impacting the quality of life. So yeah, so that's, it was very straightforward of, this is what I see on the skin. Here's how we're going to treat it. And I'll see you back in you know, a couple months, which is very unsatisfying. <laughs> <laughs> and how does very it different now? now yeah so how does it look now is I have the extreme pleasure of being able to spend an hour or two when I first work with clients we do a deep dive into their medical history of how their menopause experience are impacting their life and I just had a client today we were together for about two hours just covering all the different ways in which the, this was impacting her life and you know, now I have the opportunity to talk about stress and how that impacts our hormones and dealing with menopause symptoms and diet and lifestyle and sleep and all of that and be able to help women replenish those hormones that are dwindling and, you know, help her feel and look, you know, as good as she wants to. You know, a lot of times when they're just struggling with energy and they're irritable and all the things. And now I have the ability to be able to support her in a way that I never could before. Yeah. How amazing to not just be able to treat topically and address some of those concerns on, you know, the, the surface of the skin, but then also look at it in a really holistic way. So what a woman I can imagine after spending two hours with you going through your tra- treatment re- regime could feel like a new woman or back to her yeah. former glory self before all these hormonal changes. Yeah, I think, you know, all of us just want to be, you know, we want to know that we're being seen, we're being heard and what we're experiencing is valid. And in a traditional model, we just don't have that opportunity. And so I think more than anything, just being able to connect with women and really allowing them to share what they're going through and also be able to offer them solutions that they, it doesn't have to be this way and they don't have to suffer. Now, in regards to the future, you mentioned that you're now teaching other practitioners about some of these techniques that you're doing. What do you think will that we'll see in the future of skincare and skin health to address hormonal changes? Do you think there is going to be more of this holistic type approach or do you see something else on the horizon? Oh, I sure hope so. If I have anything to do with it, <laughs> well, and there is a group of us, you know, that are very interested in an integrative approach to dermatology and a more holistic approach, bringing in, you know, Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, mind-body skills. Not a lot of dermatologists, I don't think, are offering hormonal therapy, but that may change. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that there was a study back in 2002, the Women's Health Initiative, that really put the fear in both women and physicians about using hormones because of the risk of um, cancer 
stroke and heart attack. But those studies, even those individuals who did those studies in 2006 and then in 2017, those findings were refuted. Basically, the, the risks, there's always risks. There's always risks, there's always benefits. But, you know, Dr. Avram Blooming in his book, Estrogen Matters, really lays it out beautifully that women who are not treated with hormones are actually at a higher risk of developing breast cancer than those who are. So wow. I think it's a matter of educating doctors, getting them more comfortable and obviously cautious. I mean, this is not just everyone gets hormones. Everyone is treated on an individual basis. But I think there's a lot of undoing, unlearning about what was put out many, many years ago. I mean, there's in the U.S. at least, there's over 70 million women going through menopause, but only 5 million of those are getting treatment. And that means that there's so, so many women who are suffering potentially unnecessarily if they're mm -hmm. candidates for hormone therapy. So the future is helping as many women as possible feel amazing in midlife versus just being told, oh, it's just part of aging, you just got to deal with it. Like, no, that's a big, that's a big no in my book. Yeah, well, that is very good news. And hopefully just the more providers that are doing it, the more hopefully there'll be more um, money for studies to be able to rebuke these claims that have somehow stuck all those years ago. Now, are you able to share perhaps three pieces of advice for someone that is experiencing hormonal and skin changes, probably for a woman that is, you know, that perimenopausal age? Yeah, I think some of the biggest ones, you know, if they're experiencing hot flashes, especially some of the looking at your triggers, two of the biggest ones are sugar and alcohol. So women experience typically notice their hot flashes a lot at night. They're woken up in the middle of the night, they're kicking off the covers. And just, I'm not saying don't have that glass of red wine, believe me, I will raise a glass with you anytime, but doing it earlier in the day, so it's not close to your bedtime because alcohol and it does raise your blood sugar, it kind of, you know, your insulin levels and, and that can cause exacerbation of hot flashes. So simple things are, are go to those lifestyle factors of just taking a look at what you're doing close to bedtime, not eating, you know, two to three hours before bed, not having alcohol, minimizing the caffeine. Those would be some of the big things that I would say. And that would really potentially for many women significantly help with the hot flashes they experience. Fantastic advice. And I think, Kira, to clarify for the women that think that they can just start drinking earlier and continue <laughs> drinking till bedtime, I think the idea is just to have one glass, but earlier in yes. the day. <laughs> yes, absolutely. If you're going to have a cocktail. And also, you know, I always put a plug for, you know, the organically grown biodynamically. Like if you're going to drink something, make it the highest quality that you can and really focus on, you know, ideally clear spirits or lower in sugar. So you really kind of say that there's probably not there's so many benefits, but you're not, you know, <laughs> you're not undoing any of the efforts that you've made. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, Kira, <laughs> where can people find more about you and the work that you do? You're based in Washington State. Yes, I'm based in Washington State, but I am able to, I'm, I offer my services virtually. So I have the opportunity to be able to speak to women wherever they are. And they can find me uh, at drkirabar.com. And that's probably the best place to find me. I'm not as active on social, although that is going to change, but my website is probably the best place to find me. 
Amazing. Thank you. And 14% of our listeners are actually from the US, but it's really nice to know that you do virtual consults anywhere. So any of our listeners anywhere on planet Earth, if you are experiencing any issues with your menopause and changes to your skin, then you can reach Dr. Barr. Well, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge on perimenopause, menopause, rosacea, your melanoma story, and the changes that we see in our skin. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. What a fabulous interview. Dr. Barr shared intimate details of her melanoma story and shed light on the many, many effects of menopause and hormone changes to the skin. The three deeper than skin insights that stood out to me were number one, a board certified dermatologist diagnosing her own melanoma completely transformed not only the way she lives, but also the way she treats her patients. Have you had an experience in your life that completely changed the way you do things? Uh, It's really interesting how we can be going on a path that we feel very sure of and then bang, something happens and it completely changes the direction. Um, I'd love for you to have a little bit of a reflection of those times in your life because often we don't look back. We're always looking forward. We're always looking to our to-do list. And that reflection can be both empowering uh, and encouraging as well. Number two, from Dr. Barr's experience, she wrote the book, The Skin Whisperer, and explained how our body communicates with what we need. We just have to be quiet enough to hear it. And number three, Dr. Barr explained the many changes that occur around menopause for women, and they all have a biological reason, which means while menopause symptoms can be extremely erratic and confusing for many women, they can be managed and tracked with the right support from a qualified healthcare provider. I also loved that while Dr. Barr is located in Washington State, USA, she consults to patients globally using technology that just simply wasn't available a decade ago. Help is closer than ever before. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, I would love for you to share it with a friend, colleague, or a loved one that you think may benefit. Just share the link. Until next week, be skin-powered.